With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Carving It Up Live. Twitter, YouTube, Carving It Up YouTube channel, great YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. It's great to be with you on this wonderful Thursday. You know, and I know what you might be thinking. Bryson, you picked the Lakers to beat the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Why on earth are you celebrating? Because of the Lakers. What are, you, what are we talking about? See, I was relegated throughout this postseason to, to being a guy like almost supporting the Lakers. Like, you know, I, I picked them to beat Memphis because I cannot stand Memphis whatsoever, right? I said whoever went, won the Lakers Warriors Western Conference semifinals was go, would go on to win the NBA championship. And I had to, just because of take integrity, I had to stick to that. Oh, feels good to let that go now, doesn't it? Because the Los Angeles Lakers, ladies and gentlemen, get the brooms out. They got swept. Swept. Didn't win a game. Not even a gentleman's sweep. Swept. Four games. And you know what's great about that? They knocked my Warriors out. Not going to take anything away from them. They got us this one time. But the beauty of it is, you know what the Lakers and the Warriors came away with this season? Other than a season that both teams kind of turned around the second half. You know what they came away with? Nothing. Not Jack. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. And you know what's great too? Both the Warriors and the Lakers won a grand total of zero Western Conference Finals games. Now, that's not great for me as a Warriors fan. But then again, I wouldn't know. I would not know anything really about you know, getting swept or losing in a gentleman's sweep. We don't do that in Golden State uh, under Steve Kerr. Heck, under Steph Curry. You know, that's that's just not that's not our brand. We don't do that sweep, gentleman's sweep type of thing. We do it to other teams. That just doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen uh, to us. But eh, it's neither here nor there. But that's great, right? You know, the Lakers, Lakers fans who, oh, 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 Laker fans. 
man, they were talking after the second round like they just won the championship. And I get, you. Know, it feels that way when you beat a team that's the dynasty, that has the best player on the planet, it's got arguably the best coach and all this, all that. Like, I understand your ego maybe gets the best of you. But I'm sitting back and say, you still got eight more games left. You, you, you haven't you haven't gone to the mountaintop. I didn't think an organization and a franchise as respected and revered as the purple and gold. I didn't think the standard was Western Conference Finals runner-up. Maybe that's just me. But a team has 17 championships. I didn't think that would that'd be the case. But eh, what do I know? We got a great show for you guys tonight. We will talk Lakers Nuggets game four in just a moment. Also, Celtics Heat. I'm here to tell you that series is over. I don't care what anybody says. All this, all Boston's going to come back from 3-0. Heat are going to end this puppy tonight in Boston. Celtics aren't going to win a single home game in this series. Heat winning a gentleman's sweep. You heard it here first. Also, I'll get to uh, Russell Wilson, who's talking at, at minicamp today, talking about he feels lean and mean and ready to go uh, for the Denver Broncos. What should our expectations be of Russ and the Broncos this season coming off of a highly as someone who picked the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. Highly disappointing 2022 campaign. Among other topics, going to talk about uh, LeBron, you know, maybe discussing retirement. You know, I think there's a hidden message behind that. Uh, I, th I don't think people are reading too much uh, into it. I think we need to actually look deeper into what, what the root of that is. What else we got? I'm trying to check. Uh, we've got also, uh, oh yeah, the NBA is considering instituting a new rule that I am all in favor for. Now, one team in particular might not like it all that much, but I think it's great. I think it would clean up a, an issue that's been going on in the NBA for about a decade. It's really resurfaced in the last couple of years, and it'll totally wipe it clean, wipe, wipe, wiped away from the NBA and basketball as a whole. I will talk about that toward the end of today's show. But first, you know I got to talk about the Lakers and the Nuggets, right? I'll get to the Lakers in just a moment because I kind of went on a little, little I don't know, diatribe to start the show. I, I, let's start with Denver because for the very first time in their history, the Denver Nuggets will play in the NBA Finals. Congratulations to Nikola Jokic, to Jamal Murray, who I personally thought should have been a Western Conference Finals MVP, to Coach Mike Malone, who I've always defended. People tell me, oh, Mike Malone's overrated coach. No, he's not. No, he's not. Listen, the last time he's had two healthy rosters, the last two healthy rosters he's had, he got to the Western Conference Finals three years ago, and he's in the NBA Finals today trying to win Denver's first uh, championship. Congratulations, guys like Michael Porter Jr., KCP, Catavius Caldwell-Pope, Aaron Gordon, a bunch of other guys who really stepped up and contributed for this Denver team all season long and certainly in this series. On Monday's show, I said I thought the Lakers would avoid the sweep in Game 4 and Denver would go ahead and close it out in Game 5, which would have been last night. Instead, the Nuggets get 10 days off before game one of the finals. They'll wait for Miami or Boston. Hint, hint, it's going to be Miami. And a lot of time to game plan. Let's talk about Denver. So there's a narrative going around the Nuggets that I don't like. And it's coming from directly from a source within the Denver Nuggets, which happens to be the head coach, Mike Malone. Michael Malone, as he prefers to go by. And he was talking after the game like, man, we don't get our respect from the national media and Jokic. Nobody respects our best player and all this, all that. Nobody respects the Denver Nuggets. Okay, first of all, 
two things. For those that didn't quote-unquote respect Denver, which, by the way, people think I, I dislike the Nuggets. I had the Nuggets as a contender all season long and picked them to win their first two playoff series. I'm not, let's not sit up here and act like I just hate the Nuggets, okay? But the first thing is, uh, Denver, whether we respected you or not, you got to earn that. What, what, what had Denver done in the Nikola Jokic era up to this point? They'd had some good playoff runs. I'm not going to sit here and act like they were just, you know, playoff chokers or something like the 76ers. They had some success, but not as much as Golden State or the Lakers or the Celtics or the Bucks or even the Raptors. Heck, the Cavs in the Nikola Jokic era. The Suns even. Now they've reached like the Suns peak, which is make a finals, like the bare minimum. But they finally had an amount of success to where we can say, hey, this Denver's team's for real. You got to earn that. Nobody respected Golden State until they won a championship. People always said, yeah, but with LeBron until he won a championship. Heck, people said, go back and look at the articles. People said, yeah, Michael Jordan, he's a great basketball player, probably the best player on the planet, but it's not a winning player. He had to prove those people wrong. You have to earn that. And the second thing that I, I hated Mike Malone saying that is nobody respects Nikola Jokic. How do you figure? Okay, because a guy who had never been to an NBA Finals until this year, until literally three days ago, a guy who had, this was his second conference finals of his career, had won back-to-back MVPs. The same NBA media you say disrespects the Nuggets and disrespects your best player, Nikola Jokic, that same NBA media, in my view, wrongly, voted him as the MVP, two years in a row. The second year, which I thought was far more egregious, with you being the sixth seed and getting gentlemen swept in the first round. So we talk about respect. First of all, you got to earn respect. That Respect is, is earned, not given. Think about any great player, any great team in NBA history, you got to prove doubters wrong and you got to earn that respect. Why do you think we talk about these teams like the, for the longest time, the New England Patriots, right? The Patriots never had quite as much talent as the Steelers or the Chiefs or the, uh, or, or the Falcons that year in the Super Bowl, potentially, or the Seahawks that one year in the Super Bowl. The Ravens weren't quite as talented, but when you build a, when you build equity, when you win championship after championship, when you extend that dynasty as long as they did, for the Warriors, when they extend this dynasty as long as they did, or they have really, because the dynasty is still not over, yeah, you, you build respect and people are going to be more apt to cover you more, to pick you more. Denver has a chance to move into that category. They win a championship this year. Certainly, you could argue they very well might be the favorites going into the next season. Considering they were the one seed this year, they've been on a very impressive playoff run to this point. But you got to earn that. It's not just given out, uh, at least by smart members of the media and by fans even. So I, I don't like this whole, and I love Mike Malone. I've defended him for years on this show. But I don't like this. And look, hey, if it gets his team ready to play, if that's what floats his and the Nuggets boat, obviously it's working. So I'm not going to, if that's his method, uh, if that's his motivational method, Cool. Got nothing bad to say about that. 
this notion, oh, nobody respects the Nuggets. First of all, you earn that. Second of all, actually, they kind of did more so than they should have because they voted your best player two straight MVPs, which aside from Steve Nash is only reserved for the pantheon of great players. Your Russells, your Wilts, your Kareems, your Magics, your Birds who won three in a row, uh, your... Uh, 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 Michael Jordans of the world and Tim Duncan and LeBron and Steph and Giannis. I'm talking for the peak champions. Nicole Jokic is going to try and to join that, join that club as a champion. We'll see. Denver to me is better than Miami and Boston. I think they've proven that over their last three playoff series. But uh, you know me, I don't do false narratives very well in the show. About to get to the Lakers in just a moment. Like one of my one of my least favorite false narratives is that Steph Curry isn't clutch, doesn't hit clutch shots in the playoffs, and that LeBron isn't clutch, period. Which both narratives, I could show you the numbers, could not be further from the truth. This is a false narrative that, oh, nobody respects the Nuggets. Baloney they do. You were the freaking sixth seed. You had, no, you had no chance to win the championship last year in large part due to injuries, in fairness to you. And yet they voted your best player the most valuable player over Giannis, over Embiid. Come on now. like Let's, let, let's not congrats to the Nuggets. They deserve all the respect in the world now, but not before. So we, we got to stop with this whole notion of, oh, nobody respects the Nuggets. It's not true. It's straight up not true. But... They will be a hard out in the NBA Finals. Be it Miami, which it is, or be it Boston. That's going to be good NBA Finals. It may be ratings purgatory. Maybe that's too strong. It might be a, a ding to the ratings, because obviously people are going to be more apt to watch the Lakers, which sort of kind of goes back to the respect thing. Like We talk about the Lakers a lot. That's in large part because they're the most iconic NBA brand. That's also because they have, in my view, the greatest basketball player in the history of the world. Like, you earn that. If Denver goes on to win this year's championship and in the future win more championships, we're going to respect them. We're going to give them the props that they deserve. Or earn, rather. That's the great thing about sports. Nothing is earned. Or nothing is given. Everything is earned. Uh, and congratulations to Denver Nuggets. And congrats to Denver Nuggets. They did something that I, you know, it reminds me of a little bit. It reminds me of my Warriors just a bit last year's championship because they have a generationally talented player. Both teams do. Nicole Jokic, Steph Curry. Jokic is obviously the greatest passing big man we've ever seen. And it's not even a contest. He's, I think it's, this isn't even contest either. The greatest second round pick of all time. And be it that I still don't think he should have won them a two-time MVP. And obviously Steph, his resume speaks for itself. Two generationally talented players that the organizations looked at and said, we are going to do everything in our power to surround them with the requisite talent to win championships. And we feel like we already have that in the building because we've had success with it before. Obviously, the Warriors with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they've had a ton of success, as in championship success. Denver, not the case, but with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., they've been on some long runs. They had Aaron Gordon a couple of years ago at the deadline. They had KCP and uh, Bruce Brown. This past year in free agency, they're able to fill in the, some of these holes that they need. By the way, they had young players step up for him. Christian Brown, who came, remember him playing at Kansas last year. 
winning the national championship. He comes to the Denver Nuggets through the draft. So very, very, very similar in that they had a core nobody really thought could make a whole lot of noise in the postseason long-term, but they trusted in it. They stuck with it. There was obviously that really cool story Michael Malone uh, told after, I think it was game two or three, one of the, because Jamal Murray's two biggest games were two and three. And remember Jamal Murray missed the last two playoffs with an ACL tear. And he was in a in the team bus one time and this is according to Michael Malone, the head coach. And Jamal's saying, man, I, I'm damaged goods. Y'all going to trade me? And Michael Malone said, no. No, you're our guy. They stuck with him, and they're in the NBA Finals today. So it's a really cool story. Congrats to the Denver Nuggets. They absolutely uh, earned the right to be here. And uh, listen, it might not be the greatest ratings draw, but this is going to be a good series. For the Lakers, and I'll talk more about the LeBron retirement rumors in just a moment. So everything I'm about to say is under the assumption that LeBron does not retire and does come back to the Lakers. As I said in my sort of uh, celebratory uh, monologue, if you will, the standard in Los Angeles is championships, not Western Conference Finals runner-ups. That goes without saying. But for this season... Well, yes, you know, contrary to what Giannis might try and tell you, and I love Giannis, but I hated that press conference. Contrary to what Giannis might tell you, this was not a successful season because they didn't win the championship. However, there's a lot you could build off of from this. If you'd have told me, and I remember coming into this season, I said, I hate this Lakers roster, but I think LeBron is still going to play at a high enough level to get them in the playoffs as the eight seed. But by the time February rolled around, I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't feel so great about that prediction. They're sitting at 13th in the West. Only the Spurs and the Rockets were worse, and both are lottery teams, not just lottery teams, trying to get, you know get Victor Wimbanyama, and of course the Spurs ended up doing that. LeBron's putting up insane numbers, broke Kareem's record on, I think it was February 7th of this year, but not a lot of W's. And Rob Palenka totally turned this team around the deadline. Before the deadline, a month prior, getting Rui Hachimura from the Washington Wizards, which was a huge pickup. And then going out and getting D'Angelo Russell, who albeit had a bad series, I understand that Lakers fans aren't happy with D'Lo, nor should they be, but he was a key in get them getting to this point. He played well in the play-in tournament game against the Timberwolves. He had a solid series against Memphis and played pretty well against Golden State in the second round. He just had a bad Western Conference Finals. You had Jared Vanderbilt, who's an excellent on-ball defender. You had Malik Beasley, who really was a whole a big part of your rotation, but was a big part in you, you know, getting the seventh seed and being in the play-in tournament in the regular season. All of these pieces, Mo Bamba, who was there briefly, I think he'll be a big part of the Lakers next year. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You add all these pieces that actually fit with LeBron, 
who, what do we always say? What does LeBron love more than anything else? He loves shooters. You saw the emergence of Austin Reeves. Dennis Schroeder made a bigger impact. Obviously, he was with the Lakers to start the season as well. Rui is a good three-point shooter. So LeBron being able to rely on those guys to knock down shots uh, is a big reason that they got here. And you're talking about a team that barely by the skin of their teeth survived Minnesota in the play-in tournament, but won. I remember coming in that game, I said, Rudy Gobert's gone. That's actually a plus for the Timberwolves. This is going to be a tough game for the Lakers. Sure enough, it was, but they came out with it. They knocked off Memphis, which I said they would. They beat Golden State, which as a Warriors fan, of course, quite stunned me, especially the fact that they executed better than us in games one and four. And simply put, they lost to a better team. But the fact that they were able to put this together in two months, basically. Three months, actually three months, if you count the conference finals. What isn't there to be excited about if you're a Lakers fan next year? Assuming, of course, LeBron returns to the Lakers. You got an Austin Reeves who's just getting better. Anthony Davis, I call him, uh, you know, coin flip Davis. Got the, you know, coin right here. I may flip it later today if I feel like it. But you got coin flip Davis who's here today, you know, gone tomorrow in terms of his production. Who knows what you're getting from him? And you didn't get a whole lot from him this series after game one. Rui Hachimura was big. Yet other guys step up like Dennis Schroeder who had a really good playoffs, I thought. There's a lot to feel good about if you're a Lakers fan. You were really, after the trade deadline, record-wise, the best team in the NBA. So that's why, and I talked about this on Monday, why the Lakers would consider a move for Kyrie Irving makes no sense to me. You're talking about a guy who's a locker room cancer, a guy who's a terrible defensive player, uh, kind of has been relegated to just an on-ball guy offensively. Why would you do it? You got so much momentum coming from the end of the season going into next year. Run it back. Fill in holes. Don't bring the exact same group back or you're not going to get to where you want to be. Fill in some holes. But this is absolutely a championship contender next year. And I said at the deadline, if you remember, when the Lakers made all these moves, I said, I don't think they'll be contenders this year, which I changed my opinion on that a month later after I saw how the pieces fit so quickly. But I said, give them an offseason and they'll be title contenders next year. And I believe, assuming LeBron comes back, that will be the case. Now, I will still say, at least call the Blazers. If you're if you're Rob Palenka, at least call the Portland Trail Blazers and offer up Anthony Davis for Damian Lillard. That way, you have a reliable second score in Damian Lillard. You say, Bryson, what's Dame going to do on defense? He doesn't. He's not near the defense player AD. Of course he's not. But that's why you have Mo Bamba. You can maybe keep Tristan Thompson around as a backup center, or you could bring in another backup center. You could maybe a reunion with Andre Drummond or, De- or JaVale McGee. Very simple little, you know, like vet minimum guys. That would work for LA. That's what I would do. That's kind of the first thing. First thing is retain LeBron. That's the most important thing. You lose him, you're not making the playoffs next year. But you keep him, you trade AD for Dame, and this team's better next year. This team is a top two, top three team in the Western Conference and is as big of a threat as anybody to win the West. But don't shake the... Desperate teams go after Kyrie Irving. Why on earth would the Lakers be desperate? Why? If if they had kept the same roster they did on opening night, yeah, they'd be desperate. And I'd be like, oh, I guess you kind of have to go get Kyrie at this point. But they don't. All the turmoil, all the chaos, all the moving pieces, and you were within four wins of the NBA Finals, You have momentum going into next year. 
So I don't think there's now, as I also said on Monday, I would appreciate an apology from Laker fans genuinely, because a year ago I said, you made a stupid move to fire Frank Vogel. He wasn't the issue. The roster was the problem. And now everybody's complaining about Darvin Ham, rightfully so. Well, you had the coach in the building and you let him go. But anyways, what do I know? But yeah, I, I don't think there was any reason to be pessimistic if you're a Laker fan. From what I've seen, at least. So yeah, they should, be, they should feel great coming into next season. And should run, run it back with a few different pieces. Again, that is assuming LeBron comes back, and I will get into LeBron uh, retirement rumors, uh, which you know he himself in the press conference said he you know, suggested I may contemplate retirement after 20 years in the NBA. So I'll get into that in the third segment today. But I want to move on to Game Four between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Game Five tonight tips off tips off in about two hours or so. Uh, going into Game Four, he had a 3-0 lead, as we all know, thanks to the Lakers' loss on Monday against the Nuggets. That's now 150 teams in NBA history that been, that have been down three games to none, and all 150 teams went down. By the way, again, only three of those teams forced a Game Seven. So safe to say, history's not exactly in the Boston Celtics' side. And I'll get more into Game Five after I discuss Game Four. So, what was our main criticism of the Boston Celtics? or main two criticisms after the Game 3 beatdown. Joe Mazzulla's in over his head, and the players quit. That was kind of our thing, right? Joe is a guy who really wasn't supposed to be in this position when they moved, when the Celtics moved on from Emi Odoka after the infidelity scandal. They had lost their, they had already lost their number one assistant, Will Hardy, who became the head coach of the Utah Jazz. And so now you're down to a guy who was sitting behind the bench last season and Joe Mazzulla, who's, what, 30, 31 years of age, only a second year total in the NBA. He's not like a career assistant who's been around the block. This is his second year as a part of, of the National Basketball Association. And he's being asked to coach one of the most talented teams in the league to a championship. So that was one main criticism of Boston. The second one was the players straight up quit in game three. They did. Jason Tatum did, Jalen Brown did, Smart, everybody. And so going to game four, I said Miami's going to go and close this one out. Uh, and to, to the Celtics' credit, because they were actually down by nine in the third quarter. The, the final score is a bit misleading, 116-99. This was a tight game in the third quarter. And Boston kind of pulled away uh, in the fourth. Jason Tatum played a great game, dropping 31-11-7. But this series is still over. Like, let's not, let's not get it twisted. Somebody's eventually, one day, somebody's going to come back from 3-0 down. It's a lot harder than basketball, than hockey, and certainly baseball. And again, only one baseball team has come back from 3-0, and that was my Boston Red Sox back in 2004 against, of all teams, the New York Yankees, which four times in that series, we could say the most beautiful words uh, in American pro sports. Yankees lose. <laughs> But that's not usually how it works. Sometimes you got to get a little bit of luck to make comebacks in these series, and Boston's going to need a lot of it. I know a leprechaun is their logo, is their mascot or whatever. They're going to need a lot of that. Because the reality is Boston tonight is not turning the basketball over 15 times. Bo Boston. Miami is not turning the basketball over 15 times tonight. 
Miami is going to score over 100 points. They only scored 99 last night or Tuesday night. In the series, they've scored was 123, 111, and 128, I think it was. I think I'm getting those numbers right. Yeah, one, yeah, 123, 111, 128. They score the basketball. Now, they're going to be without Gabe Vincent tonight, who turned his ankle in the fourth quarter. He, and it was one of the more bizarre ankle turns I've, I've seen where he didn't go up in a jump shot. And like, remember Zaza and Kawhi Leonard, where Kawhi lands on Zaza's foot. Gabe Vincent goes up for a corner three, comes down on his ankle on the floor, not on like a Celtics foot. So he's out for game five tonight, which is a big loss for Miami because Gabe Vincent's been great in this series. But I don't like the narrative going in that, oh, because even Chuck said after the game, and I listen, I love Chuck. Charles Barkley is the best of the best. But he tends to be a bit of a prisoner of the moment. And Chuck said immediately after game four on TNT, boss, what do you say? Boss is going to kill Miami. Like, get, go, I'm, 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 running, I'm running to Vegas right now. I'm putting my money in the Boston Celtics to win game five. And I'm like, uh, you sure? Like, we talk about, oh, oh yeah, boss is going to win game five. Like, game six is the game for Miami. Are we sure about that? Boston, over the last two years, not been that great at home in the playoffs. If you look at the second round of last year's playoffs on, okay, second round against the Milwaukee Bucks, right? They do win that game seven at home, credit to them. But the real irony of it is they kind of struggled at home in that series. I'm doing the math in my head. They were one and, were they one and two? Yeah, they were, no. Hang on a minute. Okay, so they lost game one. No, okay. They were one and three at two and no, two and two. Yeah, two and two at home against the Milwaukee Bucks in that series at home. Not great. Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat. They won a single home game in that series. One, one and two at home against the Miami Heat. Against Golden State, again, one and two at home. This year, against the Atlanta Hawks, 2-1, and one, but they lost a weird Game 5 where they're up three games to one. You think Atlanta just packed it in. They didn't have DeJounte Murray, and they allowed Trey Young to go off on them. Now, some of that credit goes to Trey Young because he's a great player, but that's a game you got to win if you're Boston, and they fell in that one. Last series against the Philadelphia 76ers, they again struggled to win games at home. They lost Game 1, and they lost Game 5, so they finished 2-2 two and two in that series. At home. And in this series, they're 0-2. So this notion, oh, boss is great. Just because they have a loud fan base, a loud crowd, a passionate fan base, does not automatically mean wins. Like the Celtics haven't been that great of a home team the last two playoffs. They've actually been a lot better on the road. I don't know if that's the expectations that comes from the Boston crowd. I don't know what it is. Miami's been a much better road team these playoffs than Boston. So this whole notion, oh yeah, Celtics winning game five. I mean, I'm checking the, the spread and this is the ultimate. You know, I have my, um, I have my segment every week during the NFL season called a betting man. And, and it's always the, the bet I'm the most confident in. If I were a betting man, Celtics minus eight and a half. I'm uh, Vegas is giving you money. Take this heat plus eight and a half. They are giving you money. And not only do I think it's it's heat plus eight and a half, they're winning outright. And I know that everybody's talking about the numbers well. 
Jason Tatum averages 30 in elimination games, which kind of plays into what I've been saying. This whole notion, oh, Jason Tatum is a show up in the playoffs. He actually kind of does. Like Jason Tatum's far for the problem in Boston. Uh, and the Celtics actually in the last two postseasons are six and one in elimination games because they were down three, two against Milwaukee, one game, six and seven. They won game seven against Miami last year, which is an elimination game. They lost game six against Golden State last year in the finals. And then they won game six and seven last series against Philly. And they won game four Tuesday night against Miami. So they're six and one in elimination games and Tatum averages 30. So that said, I know what I'm getting from Tatum. You're going to get 30, 35 points from him. But it's the role players you kind of worry about. And the irony is, this series has kind of been a reverse of the old rule that we know about the playoffs, which is the role players are much better on the road, or much better at home than on the road. It's actually kind of the opposite for the Boston Celtics. You look at game four, season on the line, they got to win this one. Uh, Grant Williams, my man out of Tennessee, dropped 14, had a big game four. Uh, you look further further down uh, uh, Boston's bench. Hang on. Yeah, you look further down Boston's bench. You look at uh, uh, Robert Williams giving a seven. Aiden Pritchard knocking down a shot, although that was that was garbage time. Like they got production from guys they don't normally get production from. Uh, certainly on the road. Whereas Miami, if you look at the first two games, they got tremendous production off the bench. So Heat win tonight. Jimmy scores 40. Jimmy's been struggling a little bit the last couple of games. I know he scored 29 in game four, but it was an inefficient 29. Didn't really get going until the game was kind of out of reach. So Jimmy drops 40. Heat win 112. 108. Heat win 112, 108 over the Boston Celtics and advance to the NBA Finals. Uh, but listen, credit to Boston for winning game four. They could have just laid down and quit, kind of like they did in game three. But this notion that, oh, they're going to be the first team to come back from three. No, they're not. Jimmy's not. Of all the players to blow a 3-0 lead, we think Jimmy Butler's going to be the first. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We think Eric Spolstra, Eric Spolstra, is going to be the first coach to blow a 3-0 lead in the NBA playoffs in history. We really think that. That's not a shot at Boston. That's relying on history and relying on a team that's yet to really disappoint us all postseason long. So, so uh, Heat wrap it up tonight. They get the W. And uh, I, I just don't, as somebody who apologized to the Miami Heat fan base and the Miami Heat organization on Monday, because I believed in them all season long. I said in late February when people, I remember how much feedback I got over it. People thought I was nuts to have the Heat as serious contenders. I said, I don't care what anybody says. They got Jimmy Butler and they got Eric Spolstra and a good group of role players. They're going to go on a run. And I abandoned them at the last second and I picked the Boston Celtics to win in seven games and I felt terrible over it. Then I apologized on Monday. But people see, we again, we talk about my, again, sort of going back to the Denver Nuggets, Michael Malone. Michael Malone's talking about, oh, nobody respects us. Nobody respects Miami. You talking about nobody respects Denver. Yeah, you had the two-time MVP. Uh, evidently, the NBA media respects you at least a little bit. Okay? It's Miami nobody respects. 
They're up 3-1 and they're eight and a half point dogs. Are you kidding me? In a building they've won twice? Come on, now that, my friends, is disrespect. So I think Tatum will keep up the great elimination game play. Uh, he'll he'll give you his 35 points. And I think Brown will play decent. He struggled with that hand. He hasn't had a great series. But I think Smart, who's been horrible from three in this series, I think that continues. I don't think he gets quite the same production from guys like Robert Williams because of Bam out of bio. Uh, Cody Zeller actually gave the Heat decent minutes. So, yeah, there you go. John, John, you are nuts. LOL. Well, listen, I get that a lot. I get that a lot, John, John. I appreciate that. But well, what am I? Am I nuts about picking the Heat to win tonight? Like, I, I don't I, I don't get it. I'm Listen, I'm missing something. The Heat haven't trailed once in the postseason as far as series are concerned. They never trailed against Milwaukee. They never trailed against the Knicks. They were up freaking 3-0 against the Celtics. And our response is, yeah, Boston can come back. Come on now. And not just Eric Spolster's going to be the first coach to come back from 3-0 or to, to blow a 3-0 lead. We think Joe Mazzulla is going to be the first coach to come back from a 3-0 lead. If the roles are reversed, I'd say, eh, I don't give a great chance, but maybe. And Eric Spolster kind of knows which, which, which buttons to push. And something else, too, notice, notice. And you can tell a lot about players' body language after losses than you can wins. Remember Jimmy Butler back in the second round against New York? Knicks win at the Garden. Everybody's going crazy. It's two. It's uh, sorry. It's one one. Jimmy didn't play that game because of an ankle injury. And Jimmy's grinning real big after the game. It's like, okay, why is Jimmy smiling after a loss? Well, then Miami ended up winning three of the next four games. Jimmy was cutting up with guys on the bench. He was real loose in the post game presser. Jimmy's not worried. Jimmy's not worried. Jimmy even said in the press conference, which I don't know if I agree with this, but Jimmy said that. We think the momentum will turn our way now that we lost to sort of be like, hey, you're not, teams aren't just going to lie down in the Easter Conference Finals. We'll see. John, John, don't think Boston will win the series, but I think they win tonight. Okay, that's fair. I just think eight and a half is nutso. Yeah, that's, eight and a half is crazy. Uh, I mean, that that's a lot for a game five when the series is 2-2. Unless the other team just has a ton of injuries. Yeah, that's... I don't know if I've ever seen that. I'd, I'd like to know how many times it's happened in NBA history where a team's up 3-1 three, three, and they're darn near 10-point underdogs. I don't know. I Maybe I'm missing something that everybody else is. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Yeah, John John, John agrees. He said, no, nah, that spread's crazy. It, it's, it is. It's... If it were, you know, five, okay, I, I can respect five. I don't know if I necessarily take heat plus five uh, or plus five and a half or whatever. But Miami wins outright tonight. I, I don't think there's, because part of, again, part of what would go into a 3-0 comeback is one team, the moment getting a little too big for too big for them. Um, so we'll see. Hang on. I'm trying to, trying to pull this up. There's uh, the comments. Uh, let's see. Yeah, John, John, yeah, John, John, I'm going to take Miami with the points. The, again, they're handing you money. They they are literally, listen, I don't gamble, I don't bet. You know, that's the, I just I just don't do it, but that's why I do the segment. What are I a betting man? If I were a betting man, take Miami plus eight and a half. Vegas is giving you money. There's certain times they feel extra generous. 
Take that. Well, whether you use uh, whatever you bet MGM or FanDuel or whatever you use, use that one. Okay. So this has really been the big story this week. More so than either the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals, and even more so than the newest development of the John Morant situation, which I may you know talk about uh, on tomorrow's show. But the face of the NBA still, I think the co-face of the NBA, I think LeBron and Steph are the faces of the league at this current moment in time. One of the very well, wait, whoa, I'm tripping my words a little bit. One of them very well may retire, that being LeBron James. So he had a press conference, of course, after game four. After, by the way, can we just talk about this for just a moment? Um, in year 20, a 38-year-old basketball player played all but four freaking seconds and dropped 40, 10, and 9. I don't know. That sounds pretty impressive to me. But LeBron was talking after the game, doing his press conference, and he was, you know, asked about the series, asked about what the future holds for him and whatnot. And LeBron said, quote, I don't know. I've got a lot to think about, to be honest. I've got a lot to think about. Just for me, personally, going forward with the game of basketball, I've got a lot to think about. And it's he, he, he hinted at the potential of... um of retirement. So I want to make sure I'm getting the quote right because I don't want to, you know, mess this up. Yeah, he says, just for me personally going forward with the game of basketball, I got, I got a lot to think about. So do I do I think LeBron James is going to retire? I don't. I think based off of numerous factors such as, you know, he's still – in a Western Conference game, he dropped 40, 10, and 9. So production's not the question. Is he the old LeBron James? Of course he's not, but he's still he's still absolutely a top 10 player in the NBA. Second thing is, as currently constructed, he plays for a championship contender with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, more on that in just a second. And the third thing is, you have the situation where He's been very vocal about this. He wants to play with Bronny. Now, LeBron recently had a quote, I think it was a few months ago, where he said that Bryce isn't, I'm not Bryce, Bronny. He wants to play with Bronny, his oldest son. Bronny isn't as enthusiastic about the potential of playing with his dad as LeBron is with playing with his son. And that's understandable because from Bronny's perspective, you're thinking, I've already got a lot to live up to. My dad's maybe the greatest player of all time. I share his name, basically. I go by Bronny to kind of create my own legacy, but my, as far as I know, official legal name is LeBron James Jr. So you have that. And the second thing is, I've already got enough to live up to, but now i got to play on the same team as my dad, so I'm already going to be compared to him, and now I'm going to be on the court with him. Man, that's, I mean, that's a lot for a, at, whenever he comes in the league, a 19-year-old kid. So I think that factors into it. If that's something that Bronny doesn't necessarily want to transpire, is LeBron sitting back there and saying, okay, if, if it's not what he wants, then is do I really want to keep going? The question at this point, I don't think is LeBron's love or dedication to the game. Because if you remember, and I, I called this in advance, 
I called this before last NFL season started. I said, this is Brady's last year because the commitment to football as as rigid as he is to his training schedule, to how he eats, to football, 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 it was all over the place. Some of that was personal stuff. We understand that. But the commitment to football was never quite the same for Tom Brady last season. And I said, because of that, I think he's done after this year. I never got any indications, at least I didn't, that LeBron's commitment to the game has waned at all. I haven't seen that. Of any of the seasons in L.A., I could argue the commitment to basketball wasn't quite there. His first year in L.A., when he's building his business in Los Angeles, the Lakers weren't very good. You know, he struggled in the second half of the season. We understand he was injured, but didn't seem quite. And then the next season came back, it was totally bought in, and the Lakers won the championship. And then obviously the last few years, he's he's dealt with more injuries as he's gotten up there in age. So I, But I don't think commitment is the issue for LeBron James. What I think it could be, honest to God, is a negotiating tactic. LeBron James very well may be taking a page out of Aaron Rodgers' book. Aaron Rodgers, for the last two or three years, has threatened retirement. Hasn't he not? Remember he talked about when he came out of the darkness retreat this year, he was 90-10 on retirement. A couple of years ago, he said he was 50-50 on retirement. And then that year, he won MVP. This is just me. Either Rodgers, because I, I think, obviously, Rodgers is one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks ever. But either Rodgers is way better than I give him credit for because he's 50-50 on retirement, half in, half out, and still won the MVP. Or I don't know. But when you talk about that, you're either half in, half out, which doesn't seem to be LeBron, or you're using it as a negotiating tactic. To essentially say to Rob Palenka, to the Lakers, we need to make some adjustments to this roster. The majority of the pieces fit. And the Lakers, they got a, a, a ton of priorities this offseason. First and foremost, keep LeBron. Because if you lose him, nothing else matters. And the second thing is, keep Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves. Both are free agents. Now, Reeves, I don't know, I don't know about Rui, but I'm pretty sure Reeves is a restricted free agent. So keeping him won't be quite as difficult. So I, I anticipate he comes back. But we know, and I think LeBron is, if this is the case, is out of his mind for this. He wants to team up with Kyrie Irving again. And Kyrie obviously was sitting courtside, sitting front row for game four. Now, Trey Young also was sitting, you know, courtside. I would 100% go out for, go and get Trey Young to pair with LeBron and AD before I get Kyrie. But LeBron wants to make it work again. Obviously, LeBron and Kyrie had a lot of success in Cleveland. Could he be saying, hey, Rob, I'm gonna th- you know, not telling him he's threatening retirement, but threaten retirement and say, I'm not coming back unless you get Kyrie. And if Rob Palinka sits back and says, I mean, we already tried this before with Russell Westbrook. You you wanted Westbrook, and we, I, I, we got him, and we saw that worked out. Now, Westbrook and Kyrie are very different players, but both don't fit with the organization for different reasons. Westbrook, it was because he was his play. It's Again, the way Russell Westbrook plays basketball is not conducive to winning. I think that's, we have seen that over 15 years. Kyrie Irving, you could argue his style plays and that conducive to winning, but more so his impact and a negative, from a negative standpoint is from the locker room. 
It's from distraction, from the constant headlines, the constant drama. He causes whatever team he is playing for, be it Cleveland, Boston, Brooklyn, or Dallas. So if Rob Palinka says, I'm not doing it. We're not bringing Kyrie in. We've got a good thing going. We've got a lot of momentum coming off this season. Let's just fill in a few holes and let's still make this roster better without adding Kyrie, which I think the Lakers absolutely can do, by the way. Is it possible LeBron threatens a trade? I know, and I'll talk about this more on tomorrow's show. Kevin O'Connor suggested a trade to the Warriors. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which he is more than welcome to come to Golden State. I just want to put that out there. I'll talk more about that tomorrow. But are there other teams that could offer a package for one LeBron James? I don't know. For a guy who has prided himself on longevity, on being in the the, the best headspace and shape possible to play, I mean, even I saw a quote uh, where Anthony Davis was surprised at this, where AD was like, really? He said he might consider retirement? Like, kind of caught AD off guard. And Darvin Ham joked uh, the day after saying, hey, you know, way this series went, I think we all feel like retiring because we got swept. We didn't play well enough to win. Could it be simply, I don't think so, but could it be LeBron's just frustrated with Anthony Davis? He's like, man, you're supposed to be the best player in this team. You're 30 years old in the prime of your career. You should be the guy with me riding shotgun. Instead, <sighs> You're coin flip Davis again. You're bad through three and a half quarters, too little too late in the fourth, and I'm having to literally drag this team just to keep us in it and drop 40, 10, and 9 in 47 minutes and 56 seconds. Maybe. But, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing how calculated LeBron is in his decision-making, knowing how meticulous he is about every single word that comes out of his mouth, I don't think that would be an. I, I don't think LeBron would say something as impulsive. Not that the word is impulsive, but saying it right at the back kind of is as retirement, and not have something behind it. Again, I don't know LeBron James. I don't know if he's if he's serious about this, like actually retiring. I think first and foremost, it's a negotiating tactic. That's what I see at least. Got some comments here. Uh, Let's see, John, John, plus Bronny going to play more than one year in college. You think so? I I actually think it'd be good for him. I think it's good for a lot of NBA prospects to play a couple years in college, although it is obviously a risk uh, with, with the prospect of injury. But I saw a 2024 mock draft that had Bronny as like a top 10 pick, like as a lottery pick. So uh, I, I could be wrong. I don't think he'll play a, a, a more than a year in college. But I think it'd be good for him because I think it's good for everybody. That isn't a just generational talent, like a Victor Wimbanyama. Like, if Victor Wimbanyama played college basketball, I'd be like, dude, play a year, go to the NBA. Like, you will get your best development from NBA coaches. With some of the other guys, it's like, okay, you're talented, but you need, you know, you need some good coaching for some of the best in the NBA. 
I'm sorry, the best in college basketball to help you develop. Uh, John John's saying Kyrie is coming. Kyrie is taking less. And he says Kyrie's a free agent. Trey, you would have to trade for. Again, I understand that. And I'm not necessarily saying they should go get Trey Young. To me, I'm trading AD for Lillard. Because Lillard works on LeBron's timeline. He's an established super, superstar in this league. You know, Dame has been all but begging Portland to put a championship roster around him, which I don't think they're really capable of doing. So I think that works better. And plus, in terms of how they play, I think Dame and LeBron makes all the sense in the world from a fit standpoint. Uh, but if you ask me between the two, I even if Kyrie took a pay cut, John John, I'd still roll with Trey. Trey's more available physically. Both are bad defensively, but Trey is um, a slightly better three-point shooter. He plays bigger in the playoffs. He's, listen, we criticize him for his, um, maybe his, his lack of maturity. But he's not a distraction to the locker room. That's never been Trey. That's always been Kyrie. Certainly in the last six or seven years. John, John, Dane getting traded for Brown. That'd be interesting. That would work because you team up with uh, Dame and uh, Dame and Tatum. I don't. I think Portland would ask for more than just Brown because as great of a player as Brown is, he's not quite to the level of Dame. But Brown worked though because he's a he's a star player, all star caliber guy. Who again? We talk about timelines. What works with what you're trying to do as an organization? Portland's in a rebuild. They got a lot of young players, and so sort of have that new face of their franchise who. By the time he is in his absolute apex prime, around 29, 30, 31 years old, maybe some of those young guys will develop to be real key contributors. So, and I'm not, I'm not saying I, I think you could build a championship contender around Jalen Brown because I don't think that's the case, but it would make sense for Portland and for Boston to make all the sense in the world. Because uh, now you have a, a, you got two superstars. Uh, the question is what you would put around them. And John Jones says AD for DeRozan. That's interesting. Well, DeRozan wanted to come to LA in 2021. Uh, that's interesting because I, I loved I loved Amar. Hmm. Give me time to think about that one, John. John, I, I gotta. That's interesting. That's that's. Hmm. Because that's one of those trades that feels like you just do it straight up, like like Brown for DeRozan with maybe a few bench players that like bench warmers here and there, maybe like a second round draft pick, like mostly irrelevant pieces. That's an interesting one. I, I need to I need to think about that one. I'll get I'll, I'll get back to you though, John. Okay. Uh, last NBA topic of the day, and then I'll move to uh, our one NFL topic for uh, for today's show. Just want to go and pull this up here. So, obviously, any league is looking to improve in terms of rules, in terms of trying to make the game be it safer, be it, it just however they can make the game a better product, they will do so. And we have a new proposed rule in the NBA that I'm actually kind of shocked it took this long to come to the table, basically. But it'd be great for the NBA, especially because of a certain problem that's been arising in the last three, four years or so. So according to Sham Sharania, the NBA's competition committee is discussing potential of in-game penalty for flops that would result in technical foul free throws. Trial is possible at Summer League in July. Love it. Because if you remember, one uh, one issue that a lot of people brought to the table with the NBA was the take fouls. 
You know, there'd be it'd be a three-on-one fast break, and somebody would come out real quick and foul the guy with the ball. Which, as as far as I'm concerned, it, it's you know basically now they treat it as the equivalent of a clear path foul. If you if it's a take foul, because you're not making a play on the ball, it's not a basketball play. So they penalize players for that, and I think it's great because that part of what makes basketball so great is the fast break, is the highlight dunks, or you know pushing out transition, kicking it out to a, a Clay Thompson for a wide open three. Like that's that's what makes the game ex- exciting. Nobody wants to see a take foul, which gets a guy in foul trouble, which puts somebody at the free throw line. That's not as exciting. So I'm glad the NBA did that and made that adjustment last year. This one I think would be just as impactful because listen, flopping was a big issue about ten years ago. Like everybody flopped. LeBron flopped, Chris Paul flopped, everybody flopped. Now it's starting to sort of arise again. Uh, I just talked about this guy just a few minutes ago, Trey Young. He can he can be a flopper from time to time. LeBron can flop here or there. So can Joel Embiid. Definitely so can Nikola Jokic. I hate to poo-poo on Jokic because this is, you know, he just made the finals, but he flops. Uh trying to think of hard definitely flop. Harden's flopped his whole career. Like penalizing guys. Schroeder is the king. I think Dennis Schroeder's a really good player. Dennis Schroeder's the king of flopping. Dude acts like he gets hit by a Mack truck if there's even the slightest bit of content uh, contact. Austin Reeves. And I love Austin Reeves, but Austin Reeves flops a little bit. Uh, notice I'm mentioning a lot of Lakers here. That's Steve Kerr might have had a little bit of... I, I criticized Steve Kerr when he criticized the Lakers for flopping. Steve Kerr might have had a little bit of a point, so I'll, I'll, I'll defer on uh, to, to Coach Kerr on all things basketball related. But All that to say, it takes an aspect out of the game that isn't good for the game of basketball. Like, again, it penalizes players, not quite to the level that a take foul does, but it penalizes guys for not making, in a sense, a basketball play. If there's contact, okay, there's contact. That's a foul. But, again, the guys just, you know, throwing their bodies in the air, uh... Again, it's not as bad as it was ten years ago, but if the NBA can go in and nip this problem in the butt, get it out of the get it out of the league, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. Uh, John, good point by John. John, by the way, he said AD is a sh- Chicago kid. Yeah, he is. He, he was a huge Bulls fan back in the day. So, yeah, that that worked. It's crazy though. If you think about AD's story, though, seriously, is that you know he was a guard. He was recruited as a guard by multiple uh, colleges, and. I forget, I forget. It was something crazy. How many inches he grew over one summer? And he comes back. It's like, okay, we might we're gonna have to recruit him as a power forward slash center, you know. And obviously, he goes to Kentucky. Has an amazing college career at Kentucky. It was only one season, but they won the national title. And now, obviously, he's you know NBA top seventy five, which I don't think personally he should have been. Uh, I've again, eighty is a fantastic player. I know after the Warriors series, I heard some calling him the best player in the world, which I thought was nuts was nuts. You can't be the best player in the world and just being one game you're amazing, one game you're awful, one game you're eh, one game you're awesome and the next game you're it, listen, even the best players have bad games. It happens. They're human. But it can't be a consistent cycle of he's great, he's bad, he's eh, he's great, he's bad, he's great, he's great, he's great, he's bad, he's bad, he's eh, he's bad, he's it can't happen. If you if if you're the best player in the world, that so that's why I, I think that's that was nuts uh, to uh, to suggest such, such a thing. Uh, so like I said, game five of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight in about an hour and a half, Celtics and Heat. I'm taking not only uh, Miami plus eight and a half, 
but I'm taking Miami to win it straight up. I think I said 112 to 108. So Heat win 112, 108. They advance the NBA Finals. And well, listen, by the way, I hope I'm wrong because just for content purposes, just for drama purposes, a Boston win would be like, uh oh, man, they may actually pull this off. And so we'll have a game six on Saturday. And so I'll have a at minimum a game six to talk about on Monday show, uh, along with a potential game seven if the Celtics somehow win that. But I think Miami wraps it up tonight. I hope I'm wrong, but I hope Miami wraps it up. Or I think Miami wraps it up tonight. Last topic is an NFL topic, and it involves the Denver Broncos, the Let's Ride Broncos, as I called them last season, and a Denver team that I picked to win it all, to win the Super Bowl in 2022 in the preseason. I was clearly dead friggin' wrong on that one. It's the worst. I own it. It's the worst prediction I've ever made in the history of my show. It's by far. I've been doing this show three and a half years. The worst prediction I've ever made uh, was picking the Broncos to win the Super Bowl. Even better, even better, I picked the Rams to be the runner-ups, and the Rams were awful last year. So, but I'm not totally incompetent when predicting Super Bowls. In 2020, in the preseason, on this very show, I said Tampa would meet Kansas City in the Super Bowl and Tampa Bay would win, and that is exactly what happened. So, you know, I'll bounce back this year. I feel, I don't have a pick quite yet. It is May, but it'll be a good one. That's what I do know. So. Denver Broncos looking to bounce back in 2023. They obviously hired the best coach on the market, Sean Payton, uh, who came out of a, a one-year sort of hiatus after leaving the New Orleans Saints. And Russ is, again, coming off of his, by far his worst season of his career. He was arguably a bottom five quarterback in the league, at least quarterbacks that had a significant amount of, start, of, of starts. But Russ was talking to the media because, uh, what is it? Is it OTAs are going on right now? And Russ was talking about how he's really put a lot of time, a lot of energy into, you know, into his body, into losing weight. And he said, quote, I feel great. I feel lean and mean, ready to go and focused. Uh, And he said, uh, when he was asked how much weight he's lost, Wilson responded, quote, I'm not worried about that. I'm not counting. All I know is I'm ready to play again. Okay. So first of all, Russell is, is, is lying. There's every athlete knows their weight. Like every athlete is counting. Like it's, you have trainers, you have, you know, chefs, personal chefs, like athletes know what their, uh, what their weight is. So, so, which listen, Russell's perfectly entitled to, you know, not disclose that, but here's the thing. I saw a lot of people sort of looking at this saying like, Oh, you know, Russ bounce back season coming. And I think Russ will absolutely be better this year with Sean Payton. Sean Payton's been successful with just about every quarterback he's worked with. I, I always point to, I was as impressed with his coaching in 2021 as I was any of his years with Drew Brees because in 2021, he had four different starting quarterbacks that year and the saints had a winning record and almost made the playoffs. Like had the San Francisco had San Francisco lost and they were down big. I remember that game to the Rams in week 18 had the Niners lost that game. The nine and eight saints who started four quarterbacks that year would have been the playoffs. And you saw the saints this year with similar quarterback play and they went nowhere. So Sean Payton's one of those guys you could call him like an Andy Reid, like a, uh, a Sean McVay, anybody, uh, a quarterback whisper, a, a Kyle Shanahan even. But you look at Russell Wilson coming into the season. Look at this Denver Broncos team, which made some big, big moves in the off, this offseason, addressing the offensive line. They had a solid NFL draft considering the lack of picks that they have, considering they didn't have a first-round pick. So right now as we sit here today, I see the Broncos as about a 9-10 to 10 win team. I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think they'll be a serious title contender. I still think Kansas City is absolutely the class of the division. But 
I think the Raiders are going to be awful. I think the Raiders are going to be in the running for the number one pick. I, listen, they just traded Darren Waller. Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback, and knock on wood for him, but God knows how long he's going to last. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a tremendous running back, but the offensive line isn't good. The defense, while they, I liked their their, their first-round pick, but defense is still a major question for them, and Josh McDaniels, uh, as, <laughs> as Devontae Adams told us last week, is not one to be trusted as a head coach in this league. So, I think the Raiders are going to be awful this year. I think they're one, They're going to have a top-five pick in the 2024 draft. They might be in the ring for Caleb Williams. Who knows? But the Chargers, everybody, everybody's high on the Chargers every year. And to be clear, I love Justin Herbert. Lo- during that 2020 draft, and I mean, that was during COVID. There was no sports to talk about. I, I still don't know how we got through that talking sports, how this show and any show got through that talking about sports. I, I because there was no sports. We had the last dance in the draft, and that was it. But I was a huge Justin Herbert fan in that draft. I liked him more than Burrow and Tua, and clearly Burrow's been the best quarterback in that draft, but Herbert's been pretty darn good as well. But they, which they were able to keep Austin Eckler, although he'll be a free agent next year, but we're talking about this year. This is a Chargers team that is highly limited at two of the most important uh, positions of a football team. Head coach. Offensive coordinator. Okay, their head coach, Brandon Staley, is kind of known for making clueless decisions when the moment calls for him to make big decisions. And Kellen Moore is a guy who, obviously, the former offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, who had to be one of the least creative offensive coordinators that there was in the sport. Just check the tape. The man was addicted to curl routes. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. So he has that to work against. Now, they did add the kid... uh, from TCU, the wide receiver, who I think is going to be special in the NFL. I'm forgetting. Uh, uh, Quentin Johnson, I think is his name. And he's going to be really good in the NFL. He's got plenty of other weapons. Mike Williams, who struggles to stay healthy. But the Chargers, I've always called the Chargers Cowboys West. That's what they are. They have the talented rosters. They got great uniforms and a beautiful stadium. Now, Cowboys have a way bigger fan base than the Chargers. The Chargers really don't play a home game all year, if you think about it, in terms of you know home field advantage from the fan base. Chargers again, a 10, maybe 11 win team, but they'll be out in round one or round two. Like they're not a serious title threat. So Denver's got their work, out, work cut out for them in the division. But let, let me just, why, why, why I'm here, I should have probably gotten the schedule on here before the show, but let me check Denver's schedule uh, because it's, it's obviously going to be a last place schedule because they were horrible uh, last year. Let's check the Broncos' schedule. So they open with the Raiders. And they're actually, dang, Vegas already has the odds for all the games this year. How about that? Uh, I won't give you the odds for every game. But they start with the Raiders. I think that's a W. Commanders, I think Commanders are going to be in the running for Caleb Williams. That's a W. They go to Miami. I think they lose that game. Go to Chicago. I'll give the Bears a win there. So the Broncos 2-2. Two and two. They play the Jets. That's in October. Hmm, that's a tough one. I'll get the Broncos a win there. They'll beat the Jets three and two. Sorry, John, John. Uh, they'll go to Kansas City. They don't Broncos Chiefs own the Broncos. Okay. Broncos haven't won since week two of 2015 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't expect that to uh to change this season. So Chiefs beat the Broncos on a Thursday night. Broncos beat the Packers at home. They lose to Kansas City at home. They lose to Buffalo on the road. They beat Minnesota at home. They lose to Cleveland at home. They beat the Texans, beat the Chargers, lose to the Lions, 
beat the Patriots, beat the Chargers, beat the Raiders. So how many losses is that? So I got one, two, three, four, five. That's the Chiefs game. Six, seven. Okay, ten and seven. So I got them. I got them at ten and seven. I think I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect. Again, it's a last place schedule. A lot of winnable games on there. But uh, yeah, I got Denver at ten and seven. I, I think Russ. I don't think it goes back to being Seattle Russ. But let's give him twenty six touchdowns and eleven picks. So it's a little over a two to one touchdown interception ratio, which is not great. But Sean Payton can work wonders around. Just about any quarterback. So Russ bounce back. Broncos bounce back. They make the playoffs. They're 10 and 7. And, you know, who knows who they play. Again, I I don't do my NFL predictions as far as standings and whatnot. I don't do that until early September. So we still got a ways to go. It's still just OTAs. Like, let's enjoy the NBA playoffs and then we'll move on to the NFL season. How about we do that? All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network's YouTube channel. Be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button right there. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network. Anywhere you get your podcasts, any and everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, subscribe to The Grid Network on YouTube. You can find my show as well as the shows and podcasts of many other incredible podcasts and content creators. So, I got the Heat tonight, 112-108 over the Celtics. They more than cover the plus 8.5 point spread, uh, and they advance the NBA Finals to take on the Denver Nuggets. Although... For just for drama's sake, just for content's sake, I do hope I'm wrong. But Miami 112, Boston 108, Jimmy drops 40. You heard it here first on Carving It Up Live. So have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, please be sure to call your local state representatives and senators to demand change for the horrible problem that is called gun violence in America. Yesterday just so happened to be the one-year anniversary of the Uvalde shooting, which I remember talking about on my show a year ago. Please, please, please demand change to your local uh, politicians, your local leaders, uh, so we can combat this issue, uh, which we we absolutely have to if we want to preserve uh, sanity. We want to pre preserve the lives of the people of this country. Have a great evening, everybody. Stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. 40 Burger by Jimmy. You heard it here first. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment.
fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com.